I'm Jerry Hancock from Men in Balance. We're talking now with Art about the subject of the 12 Step program and specifically as it relates to AA. Welcome, Art. Thanks for being here. Glad to be here, Jerry. So um, I heard you recently talking about this in another program, so I wanted to get you on here to, to talk about the 12 Step program, which you've been through yourself, obviously, and, uh, and, and maybe talk about it in a larger sense. But first of all, what's the big idea, I guess, behind the 12-step program. Why is it so successful? Well, the 12-step programs are something that has started uh, 70 years ago. Actually, more than that, it started in 1935, so I guess I guess the 77 years. And the 12-steps uh, were started very early on as a way of guiding addicts through recovery. And over the years, people have uh, sort of applied them in a lot of different ways. And one of the things that is always surprised is the word that came to my mind is the way that after people have applied the 12 steps to help them recover from an addiction, when problems arise in their life, how they will go back to the 12 steps mm -hmm. and try to use that as a blueprint for the way to handle other problems in their lives maybe not problems that are as severe as recovering from an addiction to drug or alcohol, uh, but problems such as uh, dealing with adult children that aren't right, right. doing things you think they should. It's a yeah. way of uh, helping you to uh, come to grips with the situation. Um, anyone who's read Bill Wilson's uh, biography knows <clears throat> that as he was working on these 12 steps, they were each a product of sweat and blood. I mean, <laughs> yes. he did, they didn't just come to him automatically without some trial and error, did they? There, it was a lot of work that went into them, but the thing is, there is nothing new about the 12 steps. Mm. The 12 steps go back to very ancient spiritual principles, and where Bill Wilson's genius came was in being able to put them into uh, a few words that fit easily on a single page of paper, and mm -hmm. that uh, it's very easy to be able to quote all 12 steps. Yeah. Uh, it seems, as I recall, in the early stages, he was uh, sort of adamant about finding an approach that did not involve religion or spirituality, and I think he failed miserably at that, right? Well, his initial approach was very much uh, religion or Christ-based, and he was totally unsuccessful at getting anyone else sober. Mm. Fortunately, as he said, he stayed sober. And then he realized that uh, he could not tell anyone else what their God or their higher power was, that he had to allow each person to define God or a higher power as the individual saw it. And that's why very carefully uh, throughout uh, the AA writings, it's God as we understood him, recognizing that different people have different concepts of what God is. So if you had to boil down the 12 steps, uh, it seems to me they sort of fall in categories. One is openly admitting you got a problem, and then two, realizing you can't do anything about it, and three, calling on a higher power, and four, sharing it with others. Is that sort of the... That's, that's really, yeah, that's really the start. You know, the first step is admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. When we apply them to life, we take the word alcohol out and say just realize that we were powerless powerless, yeah. uh, that are, we needed help. So most people wouldn't think about using this necessarily on a routine life issue, but it, uh, but it works great in that situation. It, it absolutely does. I mean, for example, um, your adult children are doing something you don't think they should be doing. Mm -hmm. 
you really have no power over right, that. Yeah. Uh, and coming to accept the fact that you are powerless, uh, and then asking for, for God's help to uh, accept your powerlessness and to help you understand what, if anything, you can do. And as you go on, the first step is admitted we were powerless over alcohol, our lives to become unmanageable. Second, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Mm -hmm. Then the fourth uh, step is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And that is when you're applying it to a real life situation is to look, again, using the same analogy of adult children. Okay, my adult children aren't behaving the way I would like them to. What is my part in that? Mm -hmm. And I think almost invariably, in any situation, you find you do have a part in it. And understanding what your part is, uh, is sort of the first step toward being able to do something about a situation. But making a searching and fearless moral inventory, that's pretty scary stuff. I mean, you've well, really got to get honest with yourself. Right? When you do it in recovery, it is a very, very scary step. Mm -hmm. And an awful lot of addicts just can't do it and mm -hmm. go back out. Um, almost everyone who starts on a fourth step um, has difficulty. And it's in recovery, it is strongly urged that you go through and do it on paper. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a format of how <clears throat> it is suggested in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, some psychologists have sort of built on the AA model and have other ways of getting in through that moral inventory. In recovery, it is a very difficult thing because you're looking back at a lot of behaviors that you're really embarrassed about. Mm. But addicts have found if they don't come to grips with those behaviors, there is an uncertain part in the back of your mind, an un unhappiness and unease that is very likely to lead you back to your addiction. Yeah. Because the addiction, to a large extent, was a way of avoiding accepting what you were doing wrong. Okay, so five, six, seven, uh, let's go on, admitted to God and ourselves. To admit it to God, ourselves, and another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. In the case of addiction, this is taking the fourth step and talking about the fourth step uh, with a spiritual advisor, quite often uh, another recovering addict. Applying it to real life, it's a matter of talking with the spiritual advisor or a very close friend that you can be totally honest with and be able to describe the situation that is bothering you and what you think you might have done to cause the situation. And it becomes a sounding board. Mm. And then six and seven are in recovery asking for a removal of character defects. Um, in the case of a real life situation, it's asking for God to help you understand what you might be able to do uh, in order to make a situation better. So is this uh, assuming that you have a sponsor helping you with this, or are you pretty much capable of doing it on your own? Uh, I don't know of anyone who's been really successful in doing it on their own. Mm. Uh, in AA, the first thing they suggest to new people is they get a sponsor. Yeah. And, and, and the reason for that, I would gather, is because admitting it to somebody else is pretty powerful, right? It really is. It really. And one of the things about admit when you do the fifth step, admitting... <clears throat> what you have done wrong to someone else, um, you know, if there's a name for it, someone's already done it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the things that go in the fourth step, uh, addicts are really thinking they're going to take to the grave. They will never admit that they really did that. 
and all of a sudden, when a fifth step is done correctly, uh, an addict will realize that uh, if his sponsor hadn't done the same stupid things, there are other addicts who are equally as stupid, that uh, the behavior that you can do in your addiction uh, can be pretty horrifying. Yeah. And coming to grips with that is part of the secret to a successful recovery. So seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings? Right. This is hopefully out of the fourth and fifth step, you've realized where your weaknesses are. And six is really getting you ready to try and start working on those defects of character. Mm -hmm. um, and most people who've been in recovery for a long time will openly admit you don't really get rid of defects of character. Yeah. What you try to do is minimize them so that they don't negatively impact your life, that they become under control so that anger doesn't result in totally inappropriate behavior. Uh, it becomes an emotion that you realize you're angry and hopefully no one else realizes you're angry. Yeah. And, uh, so, so it looks like from eight and following it starts to move outside yourself to reaching out to others. Right. Uh, eight has made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And then nine has made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to injure them or others. And it, again, it is a, in the process of recovery, uh, it is necessary to be able to clean house so that you don't have deep inside you things that are bothering you, things that are likely to make you uneasy and make you want to hide them by returning to your addiction. And then making direct amends is uh, one of the steps that we very, very strongly recommend uh, that is done with the aid of a sponsor or spiritual advisor because that is a step that can be easily messed up and cause damage to others. And, and that uh, qualifier that's in there, except when to do so would injure them or others, I mean, that's uh, there's no point in, in just... Uh, unburdening yourself at somebody else's expense, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there are, many, there are many situations where you definitely owe a person an apology, but they may not even know the situation existed. The right. one that's yeah. frequently brought up is an affair or something like that. Um, okay, 10, 11, and 12? 10, 11, and 12 um, are what they call the maintenance steps. Uh, 10 is taking a daily inventory. And again, if you've done something wrong, promptly admitting it rather than letting it fester. Uh, Eleven is sought through prayer and meditation to improve conscious contact with God as we understood him, uh, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And for me, that was one of the biggest changes in recovery that I found instead of trying to give God direction, I was willing to sit back and listen and say, hey, God, what do you think I should be doing? And that's why it's both prayer and meditation. It's both talking to God and then the meditation part of being quiet and still and trying to understand what it is God would have me do. And this 12th step I just love because it really <laughs> learning is of no value till you share it, right? It's right. Like 12 says what? Uh, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Mm. And one of the paradoxes that we talk about frequently in AA is that you cannot keep sobriety unless you're willing to give it away. One of the basic tenets of AA is that if someone in, who wants to recover asks for help, uh, 
you don't refuse them. You mm. do it. Even if you don't like right. it, you right, go right. ahead and you do it. It's and, and to mm. me, that's sort of amazing. There's this sort of uh, unspoken uh, fraternity of guys and women who will just come to your aid immediately mm. once they know you need them, right? Absolutely. And, and that's because they've been through it themselves, right? That's because they've been through it themselves, as they often... We joke in the rooms of AA, Christians are people who are trying to get to he heaven, trying to avoid hell. Uh, people in AA are people who've been in hell. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I've been to AA meetings, and, and those folks are genuine. They are yeah. dedicated. They, um, they are serious about their spirituality. Uh, there's no going through the motions, or at least for the ones who are successful yeah. at it. So, um, I mean, it's just an amazing program to me. I can walk into an AA meeting, and I've been fortunate to do this around the world and many different continents, and I can walk into a meeting not knowing a soul and be more comfortable in that AA meeting than I am when I walk into a party at a yeah. country club where yeah, I supposedly really. know everyone. Um, I did an interview with Charles O'Dell, who's the director of um, the Dilbert Center in Charlotte, which is a dependency um, addiction center, and he said that he thought history would eventually acknowledge Bill Wilson as the greatest social architect of the 20th century for his impact on people. And I, I think that's actually going to happen because um, look at the millions and millions of people who recovered through Alcoholics Anonymous and then look how it has spread out into other programs like Al-Anon that has helped mm -hmm. the people affected by others' alcoholism come to adjust to it, come to grips with it and come back to life. So for somebody who hasn't been um, alcohol or drug dependent, how would they use these steps in solving daily problems? What would you suggest? I would suggest having, uh, getting a written list of the steps of AA. And they're on the website. They're on it? the website. Yeah. You can get them and they're all over the place. <clears throat> I mean, they're certainly very prevalent in AA, but there's a lot of other organizations that use them. And I think it, in AA we work with a sponsor. I think if you're trying to apply it to a real life problem, you really need a spiritual advisor or a very close friend who has some understanding of the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Basically anyone who has been successful in a program of recovery would be familiar enough with them that could help the person. And then try to walk through using the steps as a checklist of the things you want to do to try and address the problem of something that's uh, concerning you in your life. I'm just wonder if you get to step four and you don't have someone to talk to by this time, it's pretty hard to do a serious searching inventory, is it not? I would think so. I yeah. mean, most, I think the human psyche tends to lie to itself on a frequent basis mm -hmm. because if it gets too deep, it starts seeing some things it might not like. Yeah. And part of having an advisor is to realize that those same things you might not like in yourself are the same things just about every other human's dealing with. So, so is that the, if you spot it, you've got it mentality? Does that mean you? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way of putting yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So if you see it in somebody else, you probably. You probably you, have it, yeah. <laughs> as a, it, there are no uh, secrets under the sun, are there? I mean, no. it's, all, it's all out there. Um, all right, thank you so much for coming and sharing your experience on that. I think this is great information for uh, people in general and certainly for folks who are looking to improve their own spirituality. I, I've, I'll say again, I've not seen any deeper spiritual roots than those I see in an AA meeting. That, that is absolutely true. It's yeah. uh, deep and sincere. And that is because for an addict, it's life-threatening. It's yeah. a matter of life yeah. and death. Really? And so they've lived it. Well, thanks again, Art, okay, for being with us. Okay, thank you for having me, Jerry. Yes. I'm Jerry Hancock for Men in Balance.
Thank you.